0: Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Friday Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Copernol Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association,
1: and I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Friday Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday.
0: Well, we're joined this morning by Amanda Ewing, who's the leader of our Legislative and Political Organizing Center. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. We have some major bills to talk about. Let's get into it with Senate Bill 634. Give us. Let's a, get into let's it. Let's get into it. What does what does that bill say? And the Senate the Senate voted on it this week.
2: They did. Uh, the Senate passed Senate Bill 634 uh, this week by a vote of 25 to 21. So we, you know, we're disappointed that we lost that vote, but we also were pretty encouraged by the number of legislators we got to stand up and vote no this is a bad bill. Uh, it says that, you know, that the legislature is concerned that when you join OEA or another professional association, uh, you might not be aware that you
1: don't in fact have to join. And so they, they because nobody knows that we're a right to work t- state. <laughs> right. Right. It's a surprise. If you don't right. sign this, you can't work here. That <laughs> doesn't happen.
2: No. And I think that, you know, Workers in Oklahoma are pretty well aware that yeah. they can join or not join an association or a union or anything else. But um, just in case, this bill would require you to also sign a form and send it in to your, you know, payroll clerk or your HR folks that says, you know, I know I have a right not to join and not to payroll deduct my dues, but I want to anyway. And so you submit that form to your district. And then an administrator has to follow up and email you and say, okay, you joined OEA and then you sent this form in, but are you sure that you really, really want to uh, do this? And you have to respond to that email uh, saying, yes.
0: So, so can I, just, know, can I just interject? Offer, I, similar, sorry. No, I just need to interject quickly that like, if you don't think that people are smart enough
1: at this point, you maybe shouldn't hire them uh, i mean they're teachers right they and they read right at a level at which point they could graduate college right and our support staff and our support everybody staff, everybody is, is a competent adult
0: yes. And we just that's all i wanted to say i'm sorry amanda proceed just want to interject that <laughs> no I,
2: I agree it's it's insulting frankly um but the bill author senator julie daniels from martlesville says that uh, there was a Supreme Court case in 2018, Janice versus Astme, uh-huh. that uh, requires the legislature to pass this law, that she's, she's only doing this because the Supreme Court requires it.
1: And is that... Is that true? Is that true?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's not. No.
1: Myth-busting you know, um, 101.
0: <laughs> so, why, so why doesn't Janice apply to us? Why is that not an Oklahoma issue?
2: Well, because, as you mentioned, we're a right-to-work state. Yeah. You know, in other states, in a few other states, California, Illinois, New York, I think, you know, um, if you joined a – I mean, if you became a teacher, say, and started teaching at school, um, you could join your professional association or not. But if you chose not to join, uh, that union could still – was still allowed to charge you a fee. They said, look, you don't have to pay dues for all our political stuff or for all our professional development, but you do have to pay a fee that covers the cost of us bargaining the contract for you because you still get the benefit of that bargain right. even though you don't want to join.
3: Yeah.
2: So, you know, several states did this. They charged what was called agency fee. And this Janice decision, uh, you know, as I said, it was Janice versus Ask me. That's the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't actually educators doing in this instance but um you know it the decision applied to all public sector uh unions and associations it said mm-hmm. you can't do that you can't charge yeah. non members money when they don't want to belong to your union yeah that's never happened in oklahoma that didn't even happen before we passed right to work in oklahoma yeah. and our constitution says you can't do that so it just has no application whatsoever in this state okay so then when
0: I- when you strip that away, what arguments were left on the floor? Like, what did it, what what does it come down to? Why even do this in Oklahoma?
2: You know, I didn't think that we would get this honest, frankly, on the Senate floor. Um, you know, we know. Uh, or at least I, I felt like in my, you know, cynical way that I knew that this wasn't actually about a mistaken belief that we had to comply with the Supreme Court case from three years ago. It was in fact a, a bill to try to make it more difficult to belong to the OEA and the AFC. Um, and it, they finally just came out with it. Once the, yeah. you know, um, debate on the floor made it very clear through questioning and through debate that Janus doesn't apply, uh, the pro-tem came down to the floor and debated and said, "You know what? I don't like the national politics of NEA or AFT. These national organizations, uh, you know, they don't align with us politically, and uh, that's why you need to support this bill." So they were,
3: wow. you
0: know, they were pretty honest about it. Well, I, that's good, I guess, to at least <laughs> to be honest about it. I mean that. Is I, I listened to that debate and it was pretty mind blowing. I was like, "Oh, huh?" Uh, it,
1: it was maddening, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was. Um, first of all, the Senate President Pro Tem mm-hmm. doesn't usually debate right, bills, right, so right. that was odd. But he and other Senate leadership had gone into Judiciary Committee to make sure it passed committee as well. Right. Uh so so that was wild. It was it was also odd uh, as as the questions and deb- the questions especially um when senators would ask uh senator daniel's a question she she wouldn't even turn around and look at them huh. as as they were asking questions which i found interesting yeah
2: right I mean and she only did that when the person asking the question was from the opposite party right That, that she
1: is also.
2: Us, yeah. a member
1: of her own party
2: asking questions. I thought I I made note of that too. I just thought you know the Senate usually holds itself out as being a pretty uh, respectful you know body and um,
1: that yeah that did seem noteworthy to me too so and, and Senator Floyd did did ask some very Pointed questions about constitutional law. I mean,
0: she's a judge. She I
1: she mean, knows what's up. Yeah, it it was it was great.
0: So what happens now? So
2: Senate Bill six thirty four heads to the House, mm-hmm. and um, we have all along felt more optimistic about our chances of killing this bill in the House than in the Senate. And so, um, you know, I think I think we have a very good chance of uh, defeating this bill. So we are going to first spend a little time seeing what we can do to get it uh, assigned to a committee, you know, in, in the Senate, it was assigned to the judi- judiciary committee because that's the, Senator Daniel's committee, and it didn't really make any sense. Right. <laughs> um, so we're hoping we get it assigned to a, you know, a relevant committee where <laughs> we can talk to those legislators, yeah. or maybe we could, you know, even get leadership to agree that they're not going to hear it at all because they don't, you know, feel as in the mood for insulting educators as the Senate did. Yes. Um, yes. So we will definitely be encouraging everyone to reach out to their representatives uh, in in the next couple of weeks yeah. to uh, talk to them about why this bill is bad.
1: But for the Senate, those who voted no, I mean, there was some bipartisan it was, crossover it was on split, the yeah. I mean, obviously, because a 25-21 vote, you would have to have uh, some Republicans vote no on it. So, um, So we should... Probably write to those no votes and thank them. And thank them. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, there
2: were 12 Republicans and nine Democrats who voted no on this bill. And you're right. I mean, they do uh, deserve our thanks. Um, you know, the Republicans voted no when their uh the leader of their party asked them to vote yes. And the Democrats all, you know, debated and questioned and worked really hard against this bill. So we do owe them all our thanks. And I know that, um, you know, you can go to OEA's
0: website. Uh, Carrie, what's that it's address? dot slash 2021 session.
2: OK, thank you. And if you go there. Uh, there are directions for how you can, you know, easily just everything you need, kind of one stop shop to contact senators and thank them for, for those votes. Yes.
0: Um, so that is done for now. Let's talk about the other big issue on the table, House Bill twenty seven hundred one. So give us a recap of uh, remind us again what that is and kind of where we are with things. Okay. So
2: House Bill twenty seven hundred one, uh, authored by Representative Tony Hasenbeck is a bill that expands the number of tax credits we're going to give uh, to people who donate money to private schools. So we right now give out about three and a half, exactly three and a half million dollars in tax credits if uh, if you donate a scholarship to a private school. And this bill would immediately increase that amount to $10 million a year. And then uh, every year that we met that cap, we would the following year increase the cap by another 25%. So it's, we're mm-hmm, looking at 10 mm-hmm. years from now, giving away $75 million in tax credits uh, so that people will donate money to
0: private schools. Which is crazy. So we're giving away public
2: tax dollars that need to go to public schools in order to incentivize private school funding.
0: And this, we've seen this exponential thing again. This is I mean, this is a repeat trick from earlier this session in another bill where this exponential growth thing to me is startling. I mean, because it's like, oh, it's only 25 percent. That's not that bad. But it exponentially increases that money over time with no limit.
2: Yeah, it's hard to understand with a, a majority party, you know, and, and our specific legislators in the House being um, generally in favor of fiscal responsibility and conservative financial principles, mm-hmm. you know, um, it feels obvious then that we shouldn't pass a tax credit that has no upper limit whatsoever.
0: Yeah, that it is, it goes big in a hurry. Now, one so one of the things that has come up is uh, proponents of House Bill 2701 and tax credits in general say, oh, well, there's a public side to that. So you're yeah, welcome. So it's going
1: to be great for public yeah. schools too.
0: So, but not, that's not really a, no, no one's asking for that. Like, tell us about that side of it, Amanda.
2: Right. So they're already in law is a public side that where you can get a similar tax credit uh-huh. if you donate to, uh, public schools, it's kind of, you know, you have to jump through some hoops, but, yeah. um, you know, we've never met the one and a half million dollar cap for, yeah. for that, yeah. uh, deal. This bill, uh, you know, does make it easier. You can make direct donations to your schools or to your foundations. It, it really kind of makes the process easier and it offers a bigger tax credit. If your school has fewer than 2000 students, you can actually get a 100% tax credit. So the oh state gosh. will give you all that money back on your, you know, taxes. Um so that, you know, there are plenty of reasons to think that that could be a good thing for public schools. Um you know i generally believe that if the legislature wants money to go to public schools they should just fund them but that you know (laughs) get out of
1: here (laughs) get out Um, of town what kind of crazy ideas are coming out of the oea legislative (laughs) department these days (laughs) right a bunch of but that's
0: but that's that is absolutely the thing is that like that's what I don't understand. It's always wrapping up like, Oh, well, we're doing you this favor, but it's wrapped
1: up in like something that totally hurts everybody. Not only that, but a true philanthropist doesn't need a tax credit (laughs) to incentivize giving. Right. Like you give because it helps people, not because it helps you not have to pay taxes. Nah. Nah. Yeah. I mean,
2: we think like, first of all, don't, You know, just fund the schools. Right. But second of all, if you do want to have a public school tax credit to try to incentivize funds going to public schools, then as the state legislature, you know, uh, that makes more sense to us than, uh, you know, since they're tasked with making sure our public schools are funded. Um, You don't have to, you know, do this awful unlimited never-ending tax credit <laughs> giveaway to private schools <laughs> in order for you know public schools to be thrown about <laughs> right. i mean
1: when you put it that way it doesn't sound <laughs>
2: that
0: appealing <laughs> but you know i've been i've been hearing that foundations school foundations are like we're good we don't this is not really helping us this isn't really something that we're interested in because it defunds the very schools that they're trying to help
2: that's what I've heard too from the foundation directors that I've spoken with. They say, you know, we have good relationships with our donors and we just don't see that this is going to make a significant difference in our school funding. And, you know, they also care first and foremost about their public schools just receiving the funding that they need,
0: not the priority. Right. And the foundation dollars will to be something that I don't think has been talked about enough is that even if you funnel a ton of money through foundations. They can't pay for things like teacher salaries. You know, what I mean? they can't pay for things that you really need to pay for. They can, you know, buy equipment, buy, you know.
1: Well, because de- that money may not be there the following right, year. Right. Exactly. So exactly. It puts you in a very stressful position as a foundation. Right. If you are supposed to fund a school, a, a teacher right. every year, I right. mean, you already have to fundraise for all of that and then you can fundraise for other things that your school needs. Right, right. Um, Members have been very um, active about this issue.
0: You guys have had meetings this week, yes? We have actually.
2: Every region in the state has had a meeting uh, this week, one night this week, and um, they've been talking about this bill and why it's bad and what we need to do to oppose it. We've had hundreds of members actually on these calls, you know, kind of um, talking about how we can uh, hopefully defeat this bill on the House floor. There is a deadline coming up next Thursday, March 11th, is the last day for House bills to get off the House floor Mm -hmm. and Senate bills to, you know, be passed off of the Senate floor. And so we basically have one more week uh, where 2701 can either be passed off the floor or we Defeat it and, and that's that. And we don't have to, you know, worry about it yeah. anymore for the rest of the session. So, you know, the conversation, uh, this week with members has really been about the importance of contacting your representative, uh, immediately and encouraging your family and friends and colleagues to do the yes. same because, you know, they've, um, this bill we've seen for the last few years and we've mm-hmm. always managed to have enough uh, Republicans and Democrats aligned to oppose this bill Mm that it hasn't even gotten a vote on the house floor. Yeah. So we're hoping we're going to be able to do the same, but, um, but our legislators, you know, I mean, they have to hear from us. They have to realize that the opposition to this bill is just as strong as ever and that there's, you know, no reason to support
0: it. Um, our, so what do you need, what do you need folks to do, um, for house bill 2701? We need to contact our state reps yes yes house contact members. your state
2: you know as simple as saying uh hi here's who i you know here's my name here's mm-hmm. where i work mm-hmm. i'm a constituent please vote no on house bill 2701 and protect public funds for public school yes you know anything like that just it doesn't have to be you know you don't have to write an essay about it just please,
0: five know. paragraphs
1: here's with an introductory sentence <laughs> <laughs> please, please attach and your nice. dissertation
0: it'll definitely get read <laughs> no but you're right it doesn't have to there's it's don't put a bunch of pressure on yourself just say hey right and under public schools and again that website uh, slash 2021 session
1: is so easy because you just click on there you put in your address it pulls up your people and to the left uh, it gives you a a bunch of information about the bill that Mm -hmm. you're writing about yeah so it I mean so use it yes Well, I mean,
2: literally feel free to copy and paste some of that stuff into your email. If it makes you feel better to, you know, have more kind of justification for it. Uh, You're welcome to, you know, you're welcome to use anything from that website in your email. It makes it handy.
0: Yeah. Nice and fast. Well, uh, Amanda, we appreciate you. This has been a this has been a session. Boy, howdy.
1: Boy, and we're going to need some different kind of sessions afterwards (laughs) that include uh, somebody with a doctorate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and oh lordy, perhaps a prescription pad. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we appreciate we appreciate your advocacy. We appreciate your leadership um, over at the Capitol, and uh, I guess we'll see what happens next week with the n- next big deadline.
2: Well, thanks you all for talking to me about these uh, bills, and and I just have to thank OEA members and all the supporters of public education out yes, there that have yes. been legislators because we are making a difference you know yep. that book yep. incident this week was disappointing but we you know we injured that bill it's kind of something that they say in the Capitol about Mm -hmm. it uh that that bad payroll deducts bill goes over to the house now with representatives knowing you know um this did not go well in the senate and and so i'm i really am feeling good about where we're at at this point because our members are doing such a great job of contacting their legislators
0: keep calling keep Yay, members yay members keep going keep going friends yep all right well thanks amanda we appreciate you Thank you. Well, we are so excited today to have uh, some special guests with us from the 99's Museum of Women Pilots. Um, we've got Shailen Sawyer, who's the museum manager. Good morning, Shailen. Good morning. And we also have Lisa Cotham, who's the chairman of the museum board. How are you, Lisa? I'm doing great, thank you. Great. Well, we are excited uh, that you guys have joined us. Both Alicia and I have been to the Ninety-Nines Museum, and it's really a neat place. Um, so, let's talk about what. Uh, what is the museum about? What's your mission? Uh, what do you guys. What are you guys exhibiting there?
3: Okay, so our mission here at the Ninety-Nines Museum of Women Pilots is to promote, educate, and um, recognize. Women in aviation, mm-hmm. um, whether it's the groundbreaking things, you know, shattering glass ceilings, as some people say, yes. or whether it's just like highlighting various women who are doing, you know, just their normal everyday pilot job. And then we also go pretty much throughout the history. So very early on, some of the first aviators, some of the very first woman pilot, <laughs> all the way up to
1: modern day. So when, when I called the other day, you gave me a statistic about the percentage of pilots who were women. Yes. What is that? Um, Oh, okay.
3: Yeah. Um, So according to at least um, SAA, it is uh, 7.9% of women pilots. And that includes private pilots, commercial pilots, um kind of like um <laughs> glider like helicopter pilots it's
1: anyone who has a registered um pilot license which includes students as wow. well wow so we are at least half of the population <laughs> but only 7% of the pilots mm-hmm. catching up to do yeah yeah, yeah. there's yeah. some movement which brings us to women's history month i mean this yes. is women's history month yeah How- you know t- talk to us about women's history month in relation to uh in in relation to your museum Oh,
3: okay so women's history month is great for us
1: um
3: we can promote women in a more direct light because a lot of the times as i'm sure you guys have seen during the women's month um more people are interested or more people want to Mm-hmm. learn about, you know, even just certain pilots. Um so a lot of the time we get a lot of questions and just a lot of regular foot traffic about um just what people want to learn in general from women pilots or in relation
0: to the 99s organization as well. So, Lisa as the as a board member, why is it important uh for you and the and the board to be involved with this? Why is it important to to have this history documented?
4: That's that's interesting. Since, since the beginning of aviation in 1903, women has, have always been put on the back seat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of it, I think, dealt with the, the uh, way that aircraft were manufactured in the early days. It was very, mm-hmm. you had to manhandle them quite a bit. And I think it was easy to see, oh, well, that's why they think women can't fly. Mm-hmm. But going forward, women have proven themselves over and over and over. That uh they're capable of handling the same yep. obstacles that men do and in a lot of times better than the men do. Um but we still get a lot of resistance. Uh there's a lot of yeah. oh my god, it's a woman pilot, I don't want to get on the plane. Oh
0: my word type situation. What
4: <laughs> I can't so even imagine. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, I'm not going on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way yeah, Oh my, yeah, word. No, my word.
4: It's happened. Wow. It's happened. Wow. It's documented cases.
0: That's but, crazy. So that's why
4: it's important. It sh- we show the evolution yeah. and getting more and more into today's times and what the women are accomplishing and how they're doing it. Um, it and it's so important tied in with the STEM and STEAM curriculum yes. that, uh, to see that women are capable of doing this. And yes. what better way to express our passion for this industry as well as the accomplishments of our
0: sisters. So, not everybody uh, is right there in Oklahoma City. Uh, you guys are out there right there by Will Rogers. And um, not everyone is able to come or bring their class to the 99's Museum. How can educators, history teachers or elementary teacher, anybody, take advantage of what educational resources do you have and how can people access that?
3: Okay. So, yeah, this is a great topic. Um, so we do offer tours but given, um, that a lot of things are done virtually now because of COVID, um, and, you know, certain restrictions on like class sizes and, and uh-huh. days and things like that with some school districts, um, we yeah. have created a traveling trunk and what is that is known as in the museum world, it's pretty much what it sounds like. It is a traveling trunk. It's an actual <laughs> trunk filled with all sorts of artifacts, um, curriculum and then some sometimes um depending on the age group there'll be an art project involved um and so that will be can be rented out and traveling to schools or homeschools or you know or even just little conferences if needed for like presentations or things like that um and it ranges from kindergarten through 12th grade there's different levels um, just depending on, you know, the, you know, the grade level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also different topics. So we have one, it's just kind of a general over course of women in aviation. But then we have um, one that's specifically the WASP, the World War II WASP. Um, oh, cool. Then there's also um, the modern aviation. And it kind of, the modern
0: aviation one also talks about aerospace. Well, that's a huge Very industry cool. yeah. in Oklahoma. That's a big deal. So, how, <laughs> yeah <laughs> how how can folks um, find out more if they want to if they want to bring a class, they want to check out the trunk, if they want to get involved? How can people reach out to you?
4: Well, we have a website. It's www.museumofwomenpilot.org. Um, we have a, a, a link on there. I think it's called education mm-hmm. um, where we have recently added in some um, some topics related to uh, certain aerospace or aviation um, areas like uh, for the flight the forces four forces on an aircraft and and such as that, and they're also tied in with a historical figure. Um, but w- exciting to me, we have a virtual tour on the website oh awesome that is just like walking through the museum it is so exquisitely done um that you can really i mean even down there seeing the items in the cases you can zoom in on it and read the labels it it doesn't have an audio to to, it's not like a guided tour Uh but you can literally see everything in the building on that um on that website.
1: So, Lisa, when I called the other day, I mean, you're based out of Louisiana and are in town in Oklahoma because you're putting up a new exhibit that you were pretty excited about. Tell us about that.
4: Yes. One of the things we're trying to do here is um, is liven up the museum. You know, museums have specific reputations. Sure. And <laughs> sure. we have a trustee on our board who's actually from Oklahoma City. And one time when she walked in here and She didn't have too many kind things to say. And we took it to heart because it's a struggle. It's it's a struggle with none of us being here to be able to help Shailen. But we decided that one of the things we could do was an easy exhibit on women air show performers. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Yeah, I was looking at the Oshkosh website just this morning with a list of their performers for this year. And out of like 20 performers, there's two women. Oh, my gosh. The the percentage is so slow. Yeah. So low. But – um we have two of our members, one lives in Texas, one lives in California, who are professional air show performers and they just sent a boatload of stuff to us that oh, we that's really awesome. have to um, parse through it. We've got mannequins with flight suits, we've got trophies and awards and a lot of the air show specific things like programs and performer badges and such as that. And we are still working on it, but this is our our um contribution for women's history month is to get this modern thing in there so you can see that these really are real people today they're not people from the 1930s (laughs) and um we're hoping we'll be getting some pr out about that um next week yeah that's that's pretty cool yeah pretty cool i sent pictures i sent pictures to the ladies last night to show them the work in progress and they were very very impressed with it so far
0: oh man well that is amazing and congratulations on your women's history month exhibit and um thank you for sharing all of that great stuff with our educators
4: thank you yeah we you know that's the one of the big purposes is is the education and through through education and the aviation education pieces we're not only giving them a um a a foundation we're hopefully Spurring the interest on going out
0: there and learning how to fly. Yes. Oh yes. man, I'm not bringing my kindergartner. She will want to do it today. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you, ladies, both for for sparing some time for us today. We really appreciate it.
4: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for including us. We
0: appreciate
1: it. And welcome to Alicia's morning announcements. Do 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 do. Uh, so. We always um, we always talk about negative bills. There, it are, seems. So, there are so so many <laughs> there because they seem to outweigh. But <laughs> but that's just because we have to have action on those immediately. Yeah yeah yeah. But but there were some good bills that passed through yes. last week too. Yes. Um. So let me tell you some of those, and you can uh, look them up if you want to send thank you notes if you want to. But uh, but. Let's let's have some positivity towards the end of this Um, Senate Bill 121 by Senator Hicks gives uh, gives space for nursing mothers. You know, um, so many of our our educators uh, who work, you know, in schools, whether it's certified or support, Mm -hmm. they don't have a safe, clean space to pump. Nope. After childbirth and they come back to work.
0: I gave birth to my kindergartner, now kindergartner. I didn't give birth to her as she was in kindergarten. (laughs) Um, Whenever I was teaching and my place was my closet. And can I tell you that I had colleagues who were like, Oh my gosh, you're so lucky. And I was because I had a place at least I could go in and lock. You know, yeah. Lots of my colleagues had to just pump in their classroom, pump in the bathroom. Um, I mean, there's no, there's not that option. And we were at a big high school. Yeah, so I'm,
1: I've, I'm I've, really excited about this bill. I think it's great. I've heard stories about teachers having to sit on a toilet yeah. and, and pump, and that's just yeah. You know, that that's just not. We can do better. We can we can do better, and yes. we should do better. Yes. Um, uh, Hicks had another one that went through um, Senate Bill 51 that eliminates the OGET, uh-huh. which is the test of, you know, kind of basic knowledge stuff. Yeah. But the reality is, if you're going to college to get a degree, you had to have passed the ACT or SAT. You have to have yeah. a GPA. So you. Technically, yeah. you have those, and that's a, an extra cost and extra burden. Yeah,
0: significant cost for
1: for educators to jump through mm-hmm. just to be able to teach when they've already m- made those same jumps yeah. in other ways. Yeah. So, um, so that seems rational and reasonable, <laughs> and um, we support
0: rational and reasonable. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, House Bill 1593 by Melissa Provenzano changes professional development requirements that, you know, some of them have to have happen every year, Uh changes to once every three years. So maybe you'll forget about... um, some of those videos that we've been subjected to over oh the my years uh, you cannot by the forget time them. you have to watch them three years later. you cannot forget them uh, i can't forget the the one the osha bloodborne pathogens oh my gosh i was just going to say bloodborne <laughs> pathogens oh my Where word they they do the um, paper cutter and then you know you just see like some blood spurt oh like God. i can't use a paper cutter without <laughs> without that picture of see, that professional development run through my mind. I had an animated one and the little animated people don't go very fast. And I'm like, this is much more <laughs> urgent than these animated characters are going. Yeah. yeah. It, so if that happens to you, <laughs> you should have a sense of urgency about it. Um, and then uh, Senator Pemberton uh, had a couple go through that are great as well. Um, one for retired teachers to come back and teach without a cap. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that's Senate Bill 267 and Senate Bill 239 that puts limits on the State Board of Education's ability to override a local board of education's authorization of a charter school. Um, And, you know, there are legal reasons uh-huh. for local boards of education. Those are the only reasons. It's like, it's not like uh, I don't like this charter school, so I'm not going to approve them. There <laughs> right. are legal reasons right. that they have to account for. And the State Board of Education doesn't acknowledge that there are legal reasons. Right. And they just override that local. And that's that is not OK. And so Senator Pemberton is, is trying to fix that. It's a good bill. It's yeah. Good bill. It's a good one. And then um, and then in other good news. We had the Teacher of the Year announcement. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! Jessica Eshback out of Norman, I believe yes. Norman North, an instructional yes. coach. Uh-huh. And um a member of Professional Educators of Norman, our, yes. our OEA local there. So she's a member of OEA as well. So we are super excited uh that jessica uh won that won that accolade i mean all of them deserving all 12 teacher of the yes. year finalists deserving or they wouldn't be on the stage and um and she got the nod and and we're just thrilled for her Yes, uh, hear all kinds of great things um in other news Outreach to Teach, which is our student organization, our uh, aspiring educators organization, mm-hmm. does a uh, fantastic school makeover every year, uh, where they go in, beautify a school, work with students, some, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and anyway, so it's a little different this year because of COVID. Sure. And um, and so they are. Uh, not all going into a school, but they are they have garnered donations of uh, about $2,000 dollars. So they are going to do an Amazon wish list thing for yes. a giveaway for a school. It's awesome. And, um, and the, ex- the deadline for submission to submit a school's name has been extended to April 15th. So if you want to nominate a school, to um to be able to be a part of this uh go online you can find it on on the website uh for outreach to teach and and um and submit a school yep uh it's a fantastic thing and and lastly to my my work family i must say Happy anniversary! Yes, it is. Thank our, you. It is our fiftieth episode, but it is our one year anniversary yeah. for the podcast,
0: and it's uh, our golden anniversary, oh friends! It is. We have done. We have done so many awesome interviews with such good people. Uh, I mean, across the state, across. I mean, we've talked to, congress members. We've talked to, our members. We've talked to people in government and state leaders and I mean it's just it's been a really fun it's like legit Friday recording this podcast is my favorite day of the week
1: I mean we are in unprecedented pandemic times but Fact. I think still it would have been the best day. Seriously,
0: ever. you know, we were just talking about how our first episode we were talking about ESP issues with some of our members out from Mustang, and then the second <laughs> episode was COVID update with the state superintendent. <laughs> right. Things escalated Things really fast, <laughs> real fast. But I mean, gosh, like it's been it has been a fascinating and fun. Yeah, fascinating and, and fun.
1: And and if people missed some episodes, they can go back on the OEA yep. webpage and and click those uh episodes that you missed and 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 enjoy it all over again.
0: Yes, but. relive the magic <laughs> that is
1: Fried Okra. I
0: love it. I love it. It's been super fun and I and I am proud to do it and um, I'm glad that we have these conversations. They're important conversations that, Absolutely. that need to be had for, about
1: our public schools. And hope you you hopefully people learn a little bit along the way. I've learned a uh, boatload. A boatload. Like it's been awesome.
0: We just want to say thank you to Shaylin Sawyer and Lisa Cotham of the 99s Museum of Women Pilots. And as always, thank you to Amanda Ewing, our legislative lead and guru, for joining us today. I want to say thank you for joining us, not just today, but for the past year. Uh, Thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernell Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association.
1: And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week and even for the next year. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.